Welcome to the Premium Finance Show. Interviews and insights from industry professionals, helping you use financed insurance to provide tax-free withdrawals and extended estate protection. The Premium Finance Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, John McDonough. On today's show, we have Tim Lynch, managing partner of Offit Kerman. He has a national practice that focuses acting as general counsel and special litigation counsel for many entrepreneurs, as well as owner-managed businesses and their owners in a wide array of industries. In that regard, he regularly advises clients on strategic growth and corporate issues. He also regularly advises financial institutions and key employees on employment and regulatory issues. We have a great conversation with Tim Lynch today on the Premium Finance Show. We talk about the Cool Spring strategy, Offit Kerman's involvement in the setup of the legal documents that um, we need for those types of transactions. And we also have a couple baseball analogies to throw in there. It's a good listen. Make sure you take the time. Thank you. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the Premium Finance Show. Good morning. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. On today's show, we have Tim Lynch, managing partner of Offit Kerman. He also sits on the firm's executive committee. As such, he's responsible for all of the lawyer operations at the firm, and he's heavily involved in the daily operations and strategic planning for the firm. Before moving into these roles, he chaired the commercial litigation practice group at Offit Kerman. He has a national practice that focuses acting as general counsel and special litigation counsel for many entrepreneurs as well as owner-managed businesses and their owners in wide array of industries. And their owners in wide array of industries. In that regard, he regularly advises clients on strategic growth and corporate issues. He's also regularly advising financial institutions and key employees on employment and regulatory issues. Some of your practice areas, Tim, from from your CV is automotive dealerships, business law and transactions, business litigation, employee mobility and trade secret protection, international practice, labor and employment law. And then points of distinction for you, Tim, so that the listeners don't know how awesome it is to have you on the podcast today, is locally in the in the Maryland area, DC, Baltimore, Maryland area, Tim serves as board counsel and general counsel to the Washington area New Auto Dealers Association. He's the founder of the Best Practices Roundtable for CEOs in Central Maryland. Mr. Lynch is also on the corporate committee for the Lombardi Cancer Research Center of Georgetown University. Nationally, Tim is a member and panelist for the National Football League Players Association Financial Advisors Program. And internationally, Tim is the principal delegate for the Association of International Law Firm Affiliates, also serves as the global chairperson of Best Practices for Financial Services Organization Practice Group for Geneva Group International. And Geneva Group International is an educational and referral group of international independent audit, accounting, law, and consulting firms. Wow. Welcome to the show, Tim. Glad to have you on. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah. So before we get into the the business side of it, you know, what Offit Kerman does, y'all's areas of specialty and, and practice, and then Cool Springs and how it all mixes together. 
tell us a little bit about yourself personally. What do you like to do when you when you're not doing all of these things that are on your your CV? What do you like to have fun in your family, that sort of thing? Sure. So I'm a Washington, a native Washingtonian. I, I live outside of uh, Washington D.C. now, so I, I hail from the D.C. Maryland area. But I'm married. I've been married for 20 years. I have three kids and a dog. <laughs> and I, when I'm not doing those things, I like to do things with the family. And in terms of things we like to do, we do like to travel. All my kids love to ski. So Maryland isn't known for its outstanding skiing, but, but they like to ski and they're pretty good. So we like to ski in the winter and like to do other things. We just got back from a trip where we were doing a lot of hiking in, in mountains on the East Coast. And so it's really a lot of family and friends. So when, when we're not running around moving 10,000 miles an hour on the business side, I do like to sit back with family and friends and turn that off. That's great. That's great. Skiing, snow skiing, huh? Straight downhill Perfect. stuff? Yeah. I mean, my kids are are able to do lots of things. I generally like to go down the mountain and in one piece, and then go back up and do it again. Yeah, I, I um, I'm from Houston and spend my time between Houston and Nashville. There's not a lot of uh, snow mountains <laughs> between those two areas. And when I go down the mountain, I go down tumbling. I don't necessarily go down gracefully, so I have a lot of respect. And when you look at the bottom of the mountain or the hill. And you look up, it's it's quite terrifying, even more so when you're at the top looking down. <laughs> um, yeah, I think right. I, a lot of respect for that. Well, you mentioned Nashville. There's several of my my wife and several of my kids are very uh, talented, which they get from my wife. And they love going to Nashville, love music. Just, you know, a, a nice thing to do now that my kids are a little bit older I, I can actually take them to a place like Nashville and, and we can enjoy it as a family. Yeah, it's a great city and it's it's just booming right now. Lots of people moving, but that's a conversation for another time. Okay, so how did you get into law, Tim? So you, you went to Loyola University and then you went to University of Maryland. What drew you to law? And then ultimately kind of walk us through how did you get to Offit Kerman and obviously being managing partner at Offit Kerman? Sure. Well, my father was an attorney, so that that probably gave me uh, interest. He liked his job, and and he he liked to say that a good lawyer is a bridge that connects things, solve problems. So, what no matter what you do, he always told me, you know, I guess you can be a bridge or a wall, and and he always felt that a a bridge was a better option, and and that's how he viewed his role as a lawyer. And that always kind of resonated with me, you know, and, and put it another way, it, he, he was a problem solver. And I think I'm a problem solver by nature. So that, that was one thing that drew me into law. And I think it, it, it serves me well in the role that I have now. But I also liked, and I, I was drawn initially to litigation. My, I was a, an athlete and a competitor in lots of different, you know, sports growing up and, and through college. And I like the team aspect of sports. I like the competition of it. Uh, I'm competitive, so I like I like to win. 
So I, I was drawn to law, I think, initially probably because of the influence that my father had on me. And I was drawn to litigation, I think, because of just the, the, the team and competitive aspect of litigation, because there are winners and losers. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of work. And, and I liked that. I also liked the dynamic nature of being in litigation and you know, having to respond to, to a different set of facts in the moment. So all that stuff resonated with me. And then moving forward into how, to, how I came to off at Kerman, I was working at a small firm representing business owners. And, and just a word about Offit Kerman, Offit Kerman is a law firm that represents the privately held marketplace. So 90% of our clients are owner-managed businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, families of wealth, and we do full service work for them. I was at, before I joined Offit Kerman 17 years ago, I was at a small firm doing litigation, but I had good relationships with my clients and they wanted advice on how to solve problems and address issues that were really outside my core expertise. And so I needed to move to a firm that had a more complete platform so that I could work with a bigger team to help solve my clients' problems and to advise them in a way that hopefully avoided problems. And Offit Kerman was a firm that was representing the same clients that I was representing. They just had a bigger platform than just doing litigation. And so uh, I made the move in 2004 to Offit Kerman. And initially, as you mentioned, I led the litigation group and built the litigation group at the firm. But soon thereafter, I, I moved out of, out of that role in, into more of a, I'll just say more of a consultative role with my clients, where I was acting as outside general counsel. And the background there is when, when you do business litigation for entrepreneurs and business owners, you get to know their business from the ground up. And, and once they would call me for every issue, and to the extent it was an area of law or discipline that I didn't have comfort in that I was going to be able to give the best advice. I had lots of, at the time, lawyers down the hallway. Now we have offices in uh, many states and many offices. So now they're a phone call away or a video call away to, to get that. <laughs> so so that, that was the reason for the move. And just as, as the firm grew, I grew with the firm in, in terms of responsibility and management. And you know, from the get-go, I was in a management role in managing the litigation group. But then it just evolved from that to becoming the managing partner of the firm, um, now the president of the firm as well. So I spend most of my time now on firm-related issues, uh, strategic planning, innovation, and I still do client work as well, but but most of my time I spend on firm related issues. Now, geographically, I know you're in you know the D.C. area, and then you have offices in some of the other states surrounding that. But your your reach is national. Am I am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. So we have offices up and down the East Coast, but we do represent clients on a national scale. Now it depends. Some some issues are purely local issues, and at that point we affiliate with somebody locally to handle the local need if it's more effective or more efficient for the client. Wonderful. 
And so you started to bring it up that your clientele, you said 90, 95% of your clientele are, um, you know, entrepreneur owned, family owned, privately held, ultra high net worth clients, which sounds exactly like the Cool Springs. But what are the characteristics of the companies and people that would most benefit from your work? I, I, by the way, I, I do think that our, our client base is, is, if not identical, very close to identical to Cool Springs. Uh, the, the clients that we represent are looking for, they, they look to professional advisors to, to advise them on whether it's the legal issues, the financial issues, accounting issues, insurance issues. So the privately held marketplace has sophisticated needs, they have variable needs, and they are busy people who are running their lives. Uh, they generally don't have in-house counsel or general counsel like a large institution would have. So while, while, so they're reliant on their professional advisory team. And the, where we sit is we sit as one of those partners to, to the clients. We're the legal partner. And we team up with the financial partner like a Cool Springs to form that outside professional advisory team to privately owned businesses, families of wealth, or entrepreneurs. They may work at a larger company, but they want to invest in a business or, or you know, buy some real estate or consider some alternative investment or figure out how do I plan for the future? And there are, are many, many opportunities and, and products that are out there that a company like Cool Springs can advise the company on. But where, where we come into play in that regard is there's often some complexity regarding the ownership of assets and how do we structure it? How do we revise an employment agreement to account for A, B, or C? What do we do with the estate plan? What implications are there? So I'd say we're the legal partner to the financial professionals and the accounting professionals, oftentimes who, who devise very elegant and sophisticated and effective uh, products and tools to meet the client needs. And, and our job is to come in and, and help document that in a way that maximizes the benefit for you know, the, the, the needs of the client. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit since you brought it up. Uh, we were going to get into it a little bit later, but let's just do it right now. Is you know, in our in our Cool Springs design, in our prestige strategy design, where we're talking about employee retention tools, ex long term incentive, golden handcuff for employees or executives. Oftentimes, where we find a sticking point prior to our relationship with you at Offit Kerman, we, the sticking point was. Not necessarily the structure where you would have, you know, a long-term incentive LLC established and you would have a key man LLC established for different purposes for the business owner. But the sticking point and the, the paralysis was when the, it came time to construct the employment agreement because the business owner didn't realize how truly customizable an employment agreement can be. And then they would ask, well, what does everybody else do? Or what, what should I put here? And well, how long should it be? And what should it say? Can you speak to that? Like some of the misconceptions that we've been running into or you found with employment agreements and how you kind of help the, the client overcome that 
uh, writer's block, if you will? Sure. You know, an employment agreement is, as, as everyone knows, it's a contract. It's a contract between the employer and the employee. And many employers, to the extent they use employment agreements, have a standard form agreement. And they want to use a standard form agreement because the the owners of the business and the senior managers of the business, they're busy thinking about ways to drive revenue, drive profit, innovate, and they don't want to get bogged down in the details of, you know, rereading every employment agreement that comes, you know, through the door. So they delegate that often to somebody in the HR team or operations team, and, and that's appropriate. However, there's often an opportunity missed because employment agreements don't have to be the same employee to employee. As long as the differences aren't driven by some discriminatory basis, you can customize employment agreements to meet the needs of the employer and the employee. So a lot of times what we'll see with some of the more sophisticated and I I use the word elegant, elegant tools that are out there, we can customize an employment agreement that meets the need of the what what the employer is trying to do. So if they're trying to create a, a an employment agreement that encourages retention, rewards long-term good service, we we can de- use the opportunity of an employment agreement to structure it in a way that does that. So it doesn't have to be the same employee uh, from employee to an employee. Now that does can it can create challenges if one employee says, "Well, why do they have this agreement and I don't?" But at the higher levels of the firm, most of the time, what we see that the employment agreements do differ. Certainly, the terms of the agreement differ because the roles are different. Certainly, pay is different from role to role, and and that's accepted and recognized everywhere. Right, that that you know you can use any example you want. The principal of the school is generally going to get paid more than the assistant principal, and the assistant principal is getting paid more than the teacher. Now, people recognize those things. It's the same internally in privately owned businesses, and it doesn't just have to be paid. You can look at other things, other incentives, and customize them. Again, as long as it's not being done on any discriminatory basis, there's a lot of flexibility and creativity that comes into structuring these agreements. Yeah, and so you bring up a good point is is it's generally understood and it, it's not often that we find that the executives are, you know, comparing employment agreements side by side. In fact, we're able to put in verbiage that says they're not, you know, able to they they shouldn't disclose to their neighbor what the employment agreement is. But we're able to help the from a Cool Springs perspective and we're not the attorneys, you guys are the attorneys. But we want the business owner to be able to retain those individuals that are crucial to the the profitability, the longevity, the success of the organization and, and reward those people appropriately for that. And, and we found that a properly structured employment agreement is is key. It's paramount to the success of the plan. Obviously, the structure, right, the, the Cool Spring structure, the the finance policies and the performance of those policies is the asset inside of that employment agreement or, or what's what's driving the 
the payout of the employment agreement, but the employment agreement is, is very important. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree that, that and especially today, I mean, here we are in, in 2021, and the labor market for the, your clients and our, my clients is incredibly tight. It is a fiercely competitive marketplace out there for talent. And if employers can come up with better ways to either entice quality people to join their organization, or even more importantly, to, to retain them in a way that provides value not only to the organization, but to the employee, in, in today's in, uh, labor market, and it doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon, um, uh, it's a valuable, valuable approach and tool to use. That so too many employees don't too many employers rather they they're just too busy running their business to think about this. It's one of the reasons why you know where where you all sit in the marketplace, Cool Springs, you're bringing ideas and innovation to the marketplace and 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 to those clients. And so, what would be your process for the listeners and for those clients or pr- prospective clients that haven't gotten to this part of the the process with us? With off Kerman, how do you, as a firm, because the business owner is so busy, the CFO is busy, they, they don't have a general counsel to bounce these ideas off of or to run interference on this. How do you help them? What's the process you guys take to move this along where they can get it accomplished? And that is completing the employment agreement, get something down as opposed to you know, they're just too busy. They don't have the time. And it just, it becomes a battle to try to get them to get this completed. You know, you understand what I'm asking is how, how do you, Alfred yeah. Kerman, help move this process along for them? Well, in, in terms of, we, I'd say where we sit uh, as the legal partner in this process, when, when we speak to our clients, we ask, we ask questions and then, you know, occasionally we challenge the answers, which sometimes is just as important as asking good questions. And we'll ask questions about what, if anything, are they doing in terms of driving value, innovating? What are you doing with your employees? Do you have employment agreements? And and what we do is we'll say, well, you know, who's part of your professional team? And in a situation where they're partnered with a company like Cool Springs, a lot of times it's, it's Cool Springs that is bringing the financial innovation ideas to the clients and what our role is is to help you know in in the case of some of the ideas that you're talking about you guys have raised ideas creative ways to drive value for these clients and our job is to help document it in a way that protects the employer and implements the idea benefit for both employer and employee yeah, and so you answered the question exactly the way I had hoped you would. I was having a conversation with one of our managing directors yesterday who's dealing with the client who's at this very crossroad in the conversation, which is, yes, they want to proceed. Yes, they're moving forward. Oh, I don't know what I want the employment agreement to look like. And my conversation with the managing director was, we have to ask the appropriate questions. We're not attorneys, but we're trying to set the stage for Offit Kerman to come in to help draw up the documents, right? 
And you're going you're gonna to ask questions and follow up questions and gain clarity on what the client really wants and is that the right thing for them. But it's, it's our responsibilities at Cool Springs to help extract as much of these what if questions, you know, if how long do you want the, the, the vesting, for lack of a better word, to be? When do you want that to take place? What do you want the, the trigger to be? How much do you want the employee to receive of the benefit? So on and so forth. That's Cool Springs' job to have those discussions with the clients. And off at Kerman comes in, you guys come in to clean it up, tidy it up, gain clarity around it, and then put it into the documents. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, and I, and I think you know, getting to the, the core of it, from what I see out of the, the entrepreneurs and the business owners, they like the idea, but they also often like simplicity. You know, this is the idea, make it simple, implement it. And I think that I'd say the challenge on on our side of the coin is that there is a trade-off between the level of protection and the level of complexity of the agreement. So what we try to do is take a simple concept of, hey, I want to reward and incentivize my key employees and provide benefit. And how do you document that in a way that achieves the goal, but does provide enough protection for the company? And that's part of the reason for investing in, or, or, you know, you're going to earn this benefit, but you're going to earn it through continued good service over a period of time. The company is doing, you know, providing some investing or a benefit for that employee that will yield a benefit down the road. And so that the those are simple concepts, but building in the protection around that, you know, our job is is to uh, try to make it as as painless as possible for all involved. And the way that we do that, John, I think, is by asking the right questions at the front side and and making sure that the answers are clear, so that we do have a a we can document this in a way that doesn't lead to questions or challenges down the line. Yeah, and I think inherently our clients understand that. And I think the parallel to that is their taxes, right? And you're not a tax advisor. I'm not a tax advisor. We're not giving tax advice. But they don't just simply fill out the 1040 EZ form and send it in, right? That's the simplest way to file taxes. But it's also the most expensive way to file taxes because you're not taking advantage of any of the the tax law that's afforded to you. And that's why our business owners, you know, they have complex tax returns. They have complex tax strategies that they put in place with their CPAs and tax attorneys. And while this isn't to that extreme, if you want the most benefit for what you're trying to accomplish, sometimes there's a there's a balance between maximum value versus ease, right? There, there's a, there's a give and take there a little bit. I don't know if that yeah. was a great analogy. No, well, I understand I your point. Look, <laughs> I mean, look, if, if, if people are out there, okay, you know, paying 50% taxes between state, local and federal taxes, then, then they don't need to do any planning. But if, if there are, we have a tax system that does provide ways to uh, minimize the tax burden 
and you know they're approved by state, federal, local authorities. But it 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 does take a structure to take advantage of that. So whether it's a state planning, you know, there's all sorts of strategies that people use to create trusts to minimize the tax burden, you know, upon death or but these are strategies that are designed to minimize tax liability while you're alive. <laughs> and and I don't think and again, I'm, you, we're not tax advisors and and I don't have a crystal ball, b- but I think it's safe to say that the tax rates aren't going down in the mm-hmm. near future. They're only going to go up. And so a lot of our clients are looking for ways to provide benefit to their employees and to themselves in a way that's more tax efficient. And you're right. I mean, if, if you don't want to do any of that planning and you're fine paying, you know, a 45 or 50% tax rate, so be it. But if you do want to minimize the tax burden, then, you you, you know, you, you've got to do some planning. You can always move to Texas, though, John. <laughs> or, or Tennessee. <laughs> or Tennessee and, and, and lower your tax rates. I mean, I, I live in the you know mid-Atlantic Northeast, which has higher tax rates. It's one of the reasons why people love moving to areas of the country where you live, John, is that their income tax rates are lower than us northerners here. No, one one day you'll come to your senses and we'll welcome you with open arms. But until that time, you can enjoy great weather because we don't yeah. really get that in, in Texas for the most part. Now, you well, did bring I've up a good point. You know, you, say that again? I have better access to skiing here. In the well, that's true. Yeah. I can water ski. <laughs> you brought up a good point. And, you know, just for those people listening is you do all that planning to take advantage of tax structures. And as an aside, if you don't know the cool spring structure, while yes, it is driven by a life insurance policy that has death benefit associated with it. The majority of our business owners are setting this benefit up for the tax-free distributions, not only for themselves, but that is the incentive. That's the golden handcuff. That's the reward for these employees, that tax-free distribution in the future. And, and that's really where Offit Kerman comes in, helping us structure these employee-ment agreements and, and the overall structure for the plans on where they'll sit inside of LLCs and trusts and so on and so forth. So I'm glad you brought that up because it was a good kind of segue back to the ultimate reason why we do all of this for the companies is the tax-free distributions for them and those executives. But let's talk about litigation for a second. So your background, and I'm not going to trap you into answering a question. I just want your opinion as a litigation attorney. You know, Sam, our CEO and founder, we've been doing this for 20 years. So we've done over 3,000 transactions, individual transactions. One company would be one transaction. And again, like you, my crystal ball doesn't work. It has never worked. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Anything can happen in the future. But we've done 3,000 transactions in that ultra high net worth space, in the privately held business space. And we haven't had a single piece of litigation brought against us, or even as Sam says, a saber rattled at us. Does that strike you as as odd or rare being a litigation attorney and that being your, your background? It sure does. I mean, look, what, what I tell clients is that if you do anything long enough in, in our society, you're going to get sued. 
So the fact that you guys have been doing this for 20 years and had thousands of transactions without any litigation is more than remarkable. And what it tells me is you're, as an organization, you're, you're hiring the right people. You're doing business with the right clients and you're no doubt delivering value and, and delivering the value that you promise. And, and we try to do that too as a law firm, but yeah, it, it's remarkable. I mean, look, I love this country. I love the system. I'm a lawyer, so I, I'm, I'm part of the legal system here. But it is a, a stunningly litigious society, and, and it's, it's more so today than it, than it was 10 years ago and five years ago. And, and I, I don't know and, and frankly hope that trend doesn't continue, but it may. So the fact that, that you guys have not yet had to uh, deal with that is it is remarkable in this day and age. And, and I try to help business owners understand that. And I think sometimes the impressiveness of that is, is not received. For example, there's a, there's a client we're working with and just sold his business for millions of dollars and has brought in an advisor now, as he should, right? And we're far down the road on this conversation with the client already. And the advisor is coming in at the 11th hour and the advisor tells the client, oh, a premium finance design. I, I've unwound dozens of premium finance designs and I've tried to rectify and save dozens of premium finance designs. And so what we battle, Tim, is, is people don't know what they don't know, right? And we aren't every any other premium finance aggregator or premium finance designer in the space. And and our plans have never been unwound. And it's because of the way, it's because of Sam's philosophy, number one. He wants to, he wants every American, every American to retire with dignity. We're just not able to get down market yet because of two reasons. Number one, life insurance carriers and then the financing component of those policies we have to do it at a certain net worth, certain income level. Currently, we're trying to bring that down market. It's just not there yet. But his philosophy is if you do right by the client, if you make the deal the best for the client and not from a commission-driven standpoint for the advisor, then everything else is going to take care of itself. It's all going to work out. And that's been our experience. And over these all, all these transactions, that's exactly how we've done it. But we just lumped in with all of these other plans that are out there. And it's just, I guess I'm rambling a little bit to, to make the point. We are different. And I'm glad that you recognize the fact that, you know, being a litigation attorney in the most litigious country in the world, to have that many at bats without, you know, having a ball thrown at your head is pretty impressive. Well, well I'll pick up on your baseball analogy, John, because, you know, I, I think what you're saying is, you can be really successful at baseball if you hit, if you hit a single and a double every time you get up at bat. I mean, Tony Gwynn's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. That's right. You can do really well and and provide a lot of value to your team. 
And I think the the bad rap that some of the people in in your industry get is because they are looking to hit the home run on every single at bat. And there's a cost to that. And the cost of that usually falls onto the client. And so, you know, one of the things I that I think we share with Cool Springs as an organization is that we are looking for and value long-term relationships with clients. We're not looking for the home run. We're looking to hit the single and the double. We want to provide value and we want a long-term relationship with the clients. And and that that you know, you need to be able to deliver value and and that is not just some of that is price, right? And but but more importantly, it's whatever the price is, are the clients getting value and do they feel as though they're getting value for it? And and I, I think that's the the you know the fly by night companies, the pump and dump companies that are out there, they're not looking for relationships, they're not really trying to, to drive value. They're simply looking to make a commission and then move on. And and I think that is why you guys, because you guys don't have that philosophy, I suspect that's a big reason why Cold Springs hasn't had the problems that many other companies have had. Man, I, I agree with that so much. And I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. We are so closely aligned from our value set is because I remember you and I had the conversation that, you know, from an hourly rate, you guys aren't going to be the highest, right? And you're definitely not the lowest, but you're not the highest because you want that long-term relationship with the client. You want that ongoing business and you're doing it for all the right reasons. So you're exactly right, Tim. Our our singles and doubles mentality, like if all you hit is singles and doubles all the time and you eliminate the strikeouts, but you don't hit home runs, you're going to win the ball game, (laughs) right? To keep the baseball analogy going. Yeah, man, that's so great that you brought that up. So on that point, Tim, as we're wrapping up, what is your vision for Offit Kerman? Where do you want to see the firm go? What do you want to accomplish over the next coming years? Well, we just finished our strategic planning, our, our first round of our strategic planning session. So the question is timely. We, we see a tremendous opportunity to continue to grow in this marketplace because while we are a large firm, we are one of the largest 200 firms in the United States. But we don't look like other firms and we don't act like other firms because there are virtually no other firms that want to serve and are serving the privately held marketplace in the way that we are on a national scale. So uh, what we plan to do is, is continue to find good lawyers who serve this marketplace and, and continue to grow because the, the, the clients in this marketplace have a lot of need and it's they're not bound by the same geographic restrictions that lawyers and we're licensed by state that lawyers are. So we see that there is tremendous opportunity to continue to grow to serve this marketplace and and that's our plan. That's great. Any parting thoughts or or comments before we sign off? No, I would just encourage everybody to talk, talk, talk to use your professional advisory team. Work is busy, but you know, utilize the resources that are out there. And and I think that if you have the right partners, they will drive value and help help you grow. And that's what we try to do. We try to help protect our clients and help them grow their businesses. Wonderful. So, how can they get in touch with you, Tim? If if there some business owners are listening, ultra high net worth individuals are listening right now. 
or quite frankly, someone on their advisory team and they don't have a good legal counsel, how can they get in touch with you and Offit Kerman? Well, offitkerman.com is the website. Tim Lynch, you can find me there. Lynch at offitkerman.com is my email. Feel free to shoot me an email or reach out to me. Contact information is there on the old World Wide Web. Happy, happy <laughs> to chat with you. The old interweb, and that's O-F-F-I-T-K-U-R-M-A-N, Offit Kerman. And we'll have your information on the podcast link so that yep. people can click on it and go from there. Tim, thank you for your time. And when the snow forms again, have fun skiing. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Talk to All you right, soon. talk to you. Bye-bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at premiumfinanceshow.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at coolspringsfinancial.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.